0: you're listening to lead sell grow the human experience podcast i am your host eric konovalov and i believe that we can achieve everything we want if we take our leadership sales ability and personal growth to a higher level on this show we share ideas on how to break through our invisible boundaries start taking steps towards our dreams and create the life we desire I invite you to open your mind to new possibilities, new ideas, and to the truth that everything you want is possible for you. Thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the human experience podcast. It's so good to be here with you today. And I have a very special guest who knows about building wealth. He's the principal at Elevation Capital Group, and an expert in real estate investing in a specific niche. His two specialties are investing in storage units and mobile home communities. I'm super pumped to learn more about real estate investing secrets. So welcome to the show, Ryan. How are you doing today? I'm
1: doing great, Eric. Thanks for having
0: me. Oh, yeah, and I didn't say your full name. My The full name of my guest is Ryan Smith. You would think he's like a secret agent and it's a fake name. Um, <laughs> yeah. He is not the owner of Utah Jazz. <laughs> so when you google him it's a different Ryan Smith. <laughs> yeah. So where yeah. are you now? So I'm in Orlando.
1: Uh, downtown Orlando.
0: Okay, what a small world. Um uh, earlier this year Harry and I signed up for Life Surge, which was I thought a great conference. And Ryan's wife was actually the MC, Ryan was one of the speakers and they had some incredible speakers there. Like just Amazing speakers! This was the event you wanted to be at. If you just wanted to get a little jolt and motivation and uh, and faith all together in one place, um, so I heard Ryan speak because he was talking. You know, the audience probably had a couple thousand entrepreneurs in the audience, and you were discussing some wealth building strategies specifically through uh, investing in mobile home parks and investing in um, storage units. Mm -hmm. and I was at the time where I had this idea of like, okay, if I'm going to invest in real estate, I want to invest in storage units because it seems like it's not a whole lot of work to keep up with it once it's all up and running. And there I am at the event and you're speaking and you are just singing to me. And so afterwards I came up to Ryan. I'm like, Hey, I actually sent you a message on LinkedIn. You responded right away after you were done speaking. We met behind stage And connected on LinkedIn, kind of kept tabs on you. And then just last week, my good friend, Ben Starling, who was also on the show last year, invites me to a fundraising event um, for an organization called Soldier Strong. And I show up. And as soon as I walk in, in Orlando, Ryan and Jamie are right there at the same party uh, helping to raise funds for this organization. So I just thought it was really cool. Had to have you on the show. You know, it was a a sign.
1: (laughs) Uh, it's great to, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And if you've already had Ben Starling as a guest, then mm-hmm. your uh, your listeners can tune out now and go listen to Ben because he is he's a gem of a person, good friend of mine. He's he's stellar.
0: Well, I'm actually going to link Ben's podcast to this because I think what you and Ben both share. Uh, is going to be crucial for anybody who wants to invest in real estate. Ben will teach you how to raise the funds if you don't have them. And Ryan will teach you where to place them if you need to invest. So both of these guys uh, have some amazing things to teach. So Ryan, talk to me, how did you How did you get started? And, and by the way, last figure I heard is you guys have $800 million under management in real estate. Is that correct?
1: That's about right, yeah. In and, and total assets, yeah, that's that's approximately right.
0: That is, that's a huge figure. Congrats! Yeah, thanks,
1: thanks. Yeah, it's been, it's you know, it, uh, I guess it's kind of benign to me in that it's uh, you know our when Jamie and I started our company, my wife and I um, started our company together, and she she works right down the hall here, so um, we we work together and, and love it. Um, but when we started the company, you know, our kind of dream big goal was fifty, you know, fifty million, if you know, if in the, you know, if one day we could have 50 million in assets, that would be just surreal. So, you know, anyway, we obviously have surpassed that and have been incredibly blessed. Um, so that it, it's an, ex, it's a neat number, but that's really all it is too. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's fairly meaningful or meaningless, I would say to us. Um, but it's been a lot of fun.
0: Where were you when you set the goal of 50 million? Like, I think you? we were in
1: our early 20s. Um, I think we were probably, you know, we, I, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I, I started really, really young, started coding um, when I was less than 10, you know, uh, had to learn how, code, you know, uh, computers worked and, um, and it, it taught myself about 12, I think 12 to 13 different computer languages and, and just very curious kids. So, um, and have remained curious. So, um, but we, we started building the business in our early twenties. Um, you know, I had started a software company as a teenager that did very well, uh, made quite a bit of money for my age. Um, and then I got drafted professionally by in, in baseball. Um, I'm six, eight, you can't, you know, tell on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm six, eight. And, uh, so I was a pitcher and got drafted by the Orioles and angels. And so went got my education coming out of college, I had a choice, you know, do I pursue basically brains or brawn, you know, do I, um, pursue business, uh, or do I, you know, pursue sports and, ended up choosing, um, business. And so Jamie and I took the money that um, she had saved and I had made from software and we had, we started buying real estate. Um, we bought about 30 single family houses and around Orlando, um, with the intent to hold them long-term. Um, and as, as you, well, and I'll say this, you know, I guess may be helpful for your listeners, but as you're, as you're getting started, the hardest, you know, the hardest thing is finding who, to learn from because generally the largest, the loudest noise is the noise of the consensus, which is not the noise you want to follow. And it's so many ironies in life. The people who should who should talk are the ones that never open their mouth. You know, the people with the knowledge never talk. The people without the knowledge scream the loudest. So it's like, how then should I, you know, so anyway, we, we figured, okay, well, single family residential, we'll do that. And we built, I mean, really 30, 30 houses in our early twenties. Uh, or so, and um, we found that once we hit around 30, it wasn't scalable. Like it was, it was not nearly as efficient as we had hoped. And that's where we started pivoting into mobile home parks and self-storage facilities. And you know, all these years later, that's still what we do. So um, we found something that really worked. Um, and now looking back, we I don't think we knew at that time what we had found um, and how special these asset classes are. And they're they're uh, I'm as excited about them today as I was then. Yeah, they're, they're,
0: they're really good. So 30 houses, like what is, if somebody's on a fence, they've never invested in anything. they they own a home. They don't have any investment properties and they don't have a, the cash for a house. Like what are some ways that somebody can go find the money and invest?
1: Well, I, I would say just to encourage, um, and this is more thematic or maybe philosophical, but resources are never the problem. Um, it, it's never the problem. If, if you say, okay, if I only had 50,000, then I'd do X. You know, if you had 50,000, it would be, I'd need 100. If it's 100, it's a million. You, you, you never, you're always short on what you see as potential. And that'll remain, you know, just keep adding zeros to your need and your want will be greater than your need. Um, that's the, for whatever reason, the human condition. So, um, so, I mean, if, if the person, if the person listening to this has fire in their belly and they feel like they're constrained by resources, it's not the answer you want, but it's the answer, you know, in your heart. I mean, you know, that, that, that the money that you need or the credit that you need or the deal flow that you need or the team that you need, um, none of that is actually what you need. And, And oftentimes people create lists of what they need in order to be successful almost as an excuse to not take the step they know they need to take. Um, It's almost an excuse list rather than a a need list or a resource list. But um, because at the end of the day, we're in this market cycle where we are today, there's more liquidity. Um, In the last, uh, roughly in the last 24 months, the money supply of our country has been expanded by nearly 400%, four times. So there's there is no shortage of dollars available today. That's why everything is going up in value. There's limited um, assets and a lot of capital chasing limited deals. The price goes up. So there's more money available today than ever before. Everybody's looking for yield. Everybody's looking for a good rate of return. And everybody's looking for that one person they can trust, which is the key to it all. Um, so if you're a hardworking um Person that has fire in the be- belly that's trustworthy and you do what you say and can prove it over time, you've got you've got the intangibles you can't teach.
0: Can't teach fire in the belly.
1: Everything else is downstream from fire in the belly.
0: So what so what you're saying essentially is that you don't have to have any cash yourself. As long as you have that fire in the belly, you can find people who will let you borrow their money for a certain return. Yeah, there's a lot of
1: ways you can structure the capital, whether it's a loan or it's equity, which means they share the risk to a degree in the, in the investment. Um, you know, there's, there's no shortage of capital that you will find and be able to structure, whether it's debt, debt equity, debt-equity combination. Um, but if you have, if, like I said, if you have fire in the belly, which to me is very different than necessarily enthusiasm, it's not the height, it's not fire in the belly doesn't equate to me to being hyper. Right. It's, it's somebody who wants really they, they feel they have gifts and abilities and they feel that they they can see something better in their future and want to realize that and are, you know, either just kind of hell bent on taking the steps necessary to make that a reality, which is different than hyper and hyper concerns me because a lot of times the most hyper people, their they're flashes in the pan, you know, they, they bump up against the first no and well. You know, there's all that's wrong and all of this stuff. It's like no, I mean, you know. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you have if you have fire in the belly and you're an honest, hardworking person and you have vision as to where you want to go, um, there's this old kind of, I would say, to a degree, rural saying that I've always loved, and it's water joins a moving stream, um, and most the, most people are waiting for somebody else to take the first step. And as soon as somebody takes the first step, and, and there's social proof in this. So, and I, this is a negative example, but if anybody has ever been in a social setting and somebody walks in and says, "Oh, let me tell you about my bad day," right? They've now created movement in the stream, and all the water joints, which is, "Oh, let me tell you about my day. My day. My day was worse than your day. And, you know, or you know, whatever it is." So, the point being is, if if you are, if you are the water that moves all the other people who are around you, watching you, they will move too, and they will join your stream. Uh, but you can't wait on them. They're actually waiting on you. Um, and that's where the fire in the belly and the self-belief and all of that stuff comes from.
0: Everybody's looking for a leader to, to yeah. move. huh? Wow. Yeah. All right. So did you grow up wealthy? Um, no. Uh,
1: I, I mean, I, I, to me, wealth, um, and even to this day, like it, it matters, um, it, it doesn't matter that much to me, like the, the wealth of the having or the not having um, mm-hmm. doesn't, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. not primary, I would say to me, but I mean, growing up, I think we had, um, you know, we had hardships and we had struggle, um, you know, there were times where I think we had excess as a family, um, not excessive amounts of excess, but we had excess. There were times that we were really struggling and we, you know, there's a time where we all slept in air mattresses in the living room of the home that we didn't have furniture for, you know, or it couldn't afford furniture for. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of things, but I, I think that the, the condition is a, to me, the I learned a lot more by watching my parents go through the adversity um, and was more impressed and, and tried to, I, I think, Probably some of my identity is formed from some of the things I observed in my parents as they went through hardships. Um, you know, so yeah, no, I we we definitely were not wealthy and country club members. And, you know, um, yeah, you know, anyway. And that's fine. Uh, that, that's perfectly fine. We're still we're still not members of a country club. No, <laughs> you know, that's okay. They have high standards.
0: <laughs> no, no, I completely understand. I was just wondering, um, how you were brought up, you know, like, I, I believe that, you know, recently I've been studying and reading a lot about Maxwell Maltz's psycho Have you ever read that book? I have So he was pretty much like almost the godfather of personal development as we see it today. He was a plastic surgeon in the 50s. And what he noticed was that he would do this, you know, somebody would come to him and say, I'm unhappy, I want to get this blemish fixed up. He fixes the blemish. They're happy for a few minutes. Come, you know, a couple of weeks later, they see, they still see themselves as they always did. And what he realized is that we'll never outperform our self image that we have of ourselves. And this isn't the self image like, oh, I see myself in a mirror. This is that deeply rooted belief about me, meaning if I deeply, like, if I grew up thinking that all rich people are crooks subconsciously, I won't allow myself to get wealthy. So that's the whole premise. And if I'm just curious at how like what your mindset was because that's a big switch um, from air mattress to owning you know, 800 million dollars in or managing 800 million dollars on their assets, being able to talk to people, having people invest millions of dollars with your organization. You have to have a certain belief in yourself, a certain self-concept, a certain uh, image that allows for that to happen.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I think I I agree, and I I I would say to me, are kind of think the best way to put it, but you know, I think in the example you gave, where the person sees themselves, I think that's the problem is they're looking at themselves. you know, and, and to me, our, our whole focus has been others. Like I, for whatever reason, we really like people. Like we, we really, we really like um, we, you know, we like people and I tend to gravitate to the other, um, you know, it's so not that that the, the, at the uh, soldier strong party, I would, I spent most of my time talking to his kids, um, you know, and, and joking around with, with them because they they were the other of the night. And so <clears throat> the point being is, I probably, you know, we built a business and yes, we buy real estate and people invest with us, but I probably spend more of my time t- talking about why they shouldn't or risks in the investment. Cause that's, that's the best for them, not the best for me, so to speak. So I, I think that, that, I mean, it's not much of a secret, you know, Zig Ziglar has, there's a thousand people who've said really clever, witty wise things that better evidence of what I'm saying. But I think Ziglar succinctly said, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll indirectly get what you, what, what you want. And, um, and then there's a manipulative as, aspect to that. That's even faith. There's a faith component where it's like, okay, uh, you know, if I, if I follow the Bible, if I'm good enough, then, you know, God owes me, or if I treat you well enough, you know, customer, then you owe me. It's like, no, there's no quid pro quo. If, if I serve you and you walk by and i never get anything from it, that's, I'm happy, you know? And if, um, so I, I think our, our, our secret is you know and it's cheesy but it's true we, we really like people we care about them and want them to do well and that's whether or not they work with us or not like you know we, we want we want we like seeing what people do well
0: where did you learn that you know
1: i don't know i don't know that i ever did i mean i i think um you know that's i i you know i as far as I can remember, you know, when I was uh, one of my earliest memories, we were on a family trip in New Orleans. And, you know, if you've ever been to New Orleans, there's Cafe du Monde uh, and, and kind of the French quarter, they make baguette, you know, beignets and chicory coffee. And um, I remember I loved beignets. And so I had a, a, like a little pl- a paper plate full of beignets and I saw a homeless kid um, kind of um, in the park. And so I took my, uh, my beignets and I went over to him and uh, gave him my beignets. And the interesting thing was everybody else and all the other kids saw me do that, that were with their families. And so they went and gave him their beignets. And so the thing is, you know, from, I I don't remember, you know, going to a class on it or studying it. It's just, you know, ever, that's just kind of the way we are. And I, I think most, I think most people are that way. I think, I think more people are like that than, is probably uh, commonly thought, but it's kind of, you know, back to your self-help kind of, or the personal development. I think I think personal development is great, um, but I think there's this statement that Trisha Yearwood said years ago, she said everything in moderation, including moderation, you know, which is, you know, I, I think it's good to, to improve yourself and get better and find a way to sharpen, but sometimes, um, you know, sometimes the best force of action is almost to forget about yourself. If you're the problem that you're solving for forgetting about the problem, is probably a good thing too, you know? Wow. And if you are that problem, you, you need to forget about the problem,
0: <laughs> you know? I mean, we can go deep with this one. That is, I've never heard anybody say that and it makes total sense.
1: Well, and here's, here's the, so this is something I thought of years ago and this is a rant. This goes back to my coding days, but, and this, there's a, this actually points to faith too, but we are, I think everybody who's listening and everybody would admit that they in their life are not where they would want to be. Okay. So they're not whole. They're not a whole person in that they're not perfect. If whole, if perfect is represented in a whole number, let's say one is a whole number, um, then they're not perfect. So if we're not perfect or where we want to be, then we're, we're sublinear. We're sub one, right? So if, now we can all debate how sub one we are. I'm 0.3, I'm 0.4, I'm 0.4297, whatever it is. But if I'm, if I'm 0.4 and I try to self help myself at, I'm, I'm multiplying myself by myself, 0.4 times 0.4 is 0.16, I'm further away from whole. Right, I'm not getting closer to one, I'm getting further away from one. So as some linear equations, any multiplication we do by ourselves puts us further away from the whole number we're trying to shoot for. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that's where, you know, it, you know, my, my faith lens says, okay, well, Christ comes down and says, okay, you're 0. 0.4. I'm, I'm full one. I'll give you my full one. I'll cover you in one. You're now whole. Um, and so the only way we can get to whole is for whole to come grab us by the short, you know, by the, by the shirt sleeves and, and, and help us. But, that's why I'm like, that's kind of that, that mathematical equation of if we're, if you, if somebody were to agree that we're less than perfect, we're sublinear equations, any multiplication by ourselves puts us further away from home. You know, now if we can add, if I can say, okay, well, my 0. 0.4 plus your 0. 0.3, now we're, you know, but that's additive. It's not multiplication. You know, it's me plus you, not me types me.
0: Wow. That's, that's really cool. I really, really like that. Okay. So you're a numbers guy at the conference. You mentioned something about $20 not being $20. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that philosophy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's um. it took me years to figure this out and it was through the grace of a, a friend of mine who hit me over the head with a two by four and I needed it in my twenties. And, um, and I've, I've learned probably more from this guy than, than anybody. But um, so my, I'll, I'll make it as succinct as I can. So it, kind of the concept is the dollar a dollar takes on different value depending on what the dollar represents. So if you work a nine to five job and there's nothing wrong with that, you know give the best you got, do the best uh, you can. Um, but if that is where you derive your your income, you know you have taxes, you have all of this stuff that that dollar goes towards. O- on a savings basis, you might save 10% of the dollar. So you have 10 cents. So a dollar to you, every dollar is 10 cents. To a business owner, that dollar, a dollar of reoccurring revenue sells for a multiple of that dollar. So in in real estate terms, and in, in, in kind of my world, um, the average property that we own, I would say probably every dollar of month, of, I'll say every dollar of of annual income is worth $20, meaning somebody will pay $20 for a dollar of annual revenue. Okay. So if I can buy, so I guess quickly, if I can buy a property, let's say it's a storage facility or a mobile home park today, if you, me, and all of your listeners, the people listening right now, if we had a meeting and we said, okay, we have this storage facility, can we find a way to make it make $1 a month more than it did when we bought it? I think we all would agree. We would find a way to do that, right? So then, great, a dollar. Now, the person who works a nine-to-five job would say, okay, well, now I have a dollar. I have another dollar a month, let's say. So that's $12 a year. But they're thinking from a cash flow standpoint. They're not understanding the value of the dollar. So the point is, if you have a dollar a month that we all figured out how to create, it's $12 a year times $20, which is the, or not $20, times 20, which is the, the multiple that that dollar is worth, that $1 a month is worth $240, which means we can sell that property that we just bought for $240 more than we just bought it because we added $1 a month. Now, what happens if that property has 1,000 units and we find a way to add a dollar a month per unit? Right now, you take the $240, you times it by 1,000, we just created a quarter million dollars. So if you have a thousand unit storage facility and you find a way to make a dollar a month of net operating income that's every dollar a month is a quarter million dollars right so the point that the the to kind of go backwards um the the fun thing about understanding the value of the dollar i guess said simply first is we in our business we want to focus on finding 240 dollar dollars dollars that are worth 240 dollars not ten cent dollar dollars which is a nine to five Right, so it's understanding that not all dollars are valued equally, and then going after the dollars that are valued more, uh, and are more predictable, which storage and mobile home parks uh, allow us to do. That you can kind of take this concept and then kind of go backwards from the standpoint of, you know, if your listener is sitting here today and saying, okay, well, I I have a goal for myself, and one one day I want to have a net worth that's ten million dollars more than it is today, insert number here, doesn't, you know, whatever that is, then you know, at a basically, a, a, I'll say it this way: a, using twenty times as the as the multiple we just talked about, which equates to a five percent capitalization rate in real estate, um, you need five hundred thousand of of um, annual income, of net income. So, if you buy properties and generate five hundred thousand of a year of net income, more than you have today, you have a ten million dollar net worth. Now, you're your listeners are probably like, well, that's half a million dollars. I'm working my guts out. I'm trying to make a hundred grand a year from my job or 200 or 300. How in the world would like, you know, I get it. Right. That's where fire in the belly comes in. You either got it or you don't, but let's say $500,000 is, is the difference. So you say, okay, well, that's a lot, but, um, let's break it down into monthly increments. So you take 500,000 divided by 12. So that gives you about 40,000 a month. So you need 40,000 a month, still a ton of money. Get it. Um, So then break it down and say, okay, well, I'm going to, my goal is to have a thousand units, whether it's multifamily, apartments, mobile homes, storage, whatever it is. So, a thousand units. So take the 40,000 a month, divide it by a thousand. You now need $40. Um, You need to buy a thousand units and find a way to grow the NOI by $40 per unit. And if you do that, you have a $10 million net worth. And now the person's probably like, well, $40 is still a lot. So give yourself five years to do it. So divide the 40 by five and that's $8. So in summation, if you bought a thousand units or invested in a thousand units of property and were able to increase the net operating income by $8 a month per unit for five years straight, you have a $10 million increased net worth.
0: Okay. So, Wow. Okay. So for, for those of us where it's foreign, right? Like a thousand units sounds like a ton of units. Sure. And let's say we're talking storage units because that's what I'm interested in. Yep. And let's say I have the fire in my belly and you're me, but I don't have the cash. How do I invest into a thousand units?
1: So there's a couple of ways and it may not be one property that's a thousand units. I mean, certainly, you know, one of, um, since I think we last, or first met in Tampa a couple months back, I think we've acquired almost 1500 units since then. So the point being is it's not, but for somebody who's just starting your first deal may not be a thousand units, right? Got so it. that, that could also be 10, 100 unit deals or, you know, however you want to slice and dice it, but on a storage unit, let, let's say it's a 500 unit storage unit. That's well located in a good metro you know, with good dynamics and upside. And you have, you know, you, you see it for what it could be. And, you really want to go for it. Well, as indicated by you, like, let's say this person's not you, Well, you're talking about, you really like storage. I really like storage, right? So there's obviously people looking to put capital into storage. So now you have this property you found, you could possibly tie it up, get it under contract. So now you control the property and could not be sold to another party. And so in that, you now control an asset, at least contractually for the time being. That's well located with a business plan, and you, you've got clarity on how to execute it. So at that point, you you know you you line up your capital. You go to people. You share your vision. You share your plan, and say, "This is what I want to do." And um, how much money do you need to raise to do that? And you, you start a you know you could you could raise it via equity, um, and then also go to a bank and say, "You know, here's what what I'm doing," and, and get debt lined up. There's a lot of lenders have, you know, banks have a lot of cash to lend today. You could probably get 50, 60% financing on the property and raise the other, you know, 40, 50% from friends and family, um, you know, and take down the deal. And, and the first one will be the bumpiest. It'll be the hairiest. Do It'll it probably be the worst deal you ever do. And then the goal is to get less worse as you go. And, and that's, 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 that's the story of life. Get less worse.
0: Get less worse as you go. Ryan, I love it. So if somebody said, you know what, I don't have that much fire in the belly, but I do have some money. And Ryan sounds like he's the type of guy that knows a good deal when he sees one. How does somebody, how do you, how does somebody work with you or have you invest on their behalf?
1: Yeah. I'm. At, I'm and if you do have fire in the belly, want to, you know, need some pointers. I'm happy to help whoever, whoever you are. If I could be helpful, I'd, I'd love to help. So, uh, our website's elevationfund.com. And then my line here to my desk is 407 602 7662. And I will add, for all the years that I've given that number out, there have been very few calls. So that's it. That's shots fired. So if, you, if you're thinking about it, please do call. Uh, I look forward to talking to you.
0: Is that the one I called today? Yes. And yep, you picked that's up. It. It's shocking. Shocking. Yeah. There's never
1: competition. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. The principal of an organization that's holding over $800 million in assets picked up the phone when I called this morning. That's pretty right. cool. Yeah. Um, and it was not a scheduled call. So Ryan, when you say you help, do you do some kind of a mentorship on like a one-on-one basis as well? Or is how else do you work with people?
1: Not really anything programmatic. I mean, like, I guess I just do, I, I live my life and um, like sharing that journey with as many people who are living there. So, you know, a, being a you know, there's a group of 10, 15 guys that get together quarterly and we debate, right. So we have quarterly debates on all kinds of topics and, you know, there's, there's all kinds of little things that we do in community. So I'm really big in community. And, and so if you're certainly in the Orlando area and love to integrate you in any of those conversations or, um, you know, if you ever want to call and have questions on something, I'm always, always available to help, but I don't have any kind of program or anything like that. I just awesome. Like that.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this. Why were you at that soldier strong event?
1: Um, so I was invited by the host, um, the, the Colton Hogan's who are dear friends of ours. Um, and they wanted me to actually, uh, I, I didn't know much about it. So they wanted to expose me to what um, that, that, foundation that non-for-profit did and i thought it was unbelievable uh, you know i thought it was uh, uh, you know really i was really glad i went um so anyway that's why i was going to uh, to support the Coldenhovens but also to learn about soldier strong
0: why do you think they hosted it at their house
1: oh man the Coldenhovens are some of the most wonderful people i've ever met i mean they're incredibly generous and they're really good about getting the word out about things that kind of need to they take their platform and their spotlight and they shine it um, with intent to where they think it needs to go. And I feel like they're incredibly gracious. And uh, so I, and that's, by the way, they do, I think, I don't know, I would guess probably 10 to 15 uh, events like that a year that they, that they host. So they're, they're unbelievable.
0: I got to tell you guys, like um, with all this stuff in the news right now about, you know, you're poor because somebody else is wealthy and, the wealthy are the problem, they're taking all the money. They're not paying. I didn't grow up wealthy. I'm an immigrant. Six of us lived in a two bedroom apartment. And this was probably my first, it's not my first fundraising event that I've attended, but it is my first fundraising event at somebody's house with the caliber of people that were there. And I was just amazed at how the host, he was washing the dishes. He was cleaning up the guy who had all these people in the house doing a fundraiser for a nonprofit that supports wounded soldiers. Actually, what, what Soldier Strong does is they provide these kind of robotic suits for paralyzed soldiers, Marines, airmen, sailors, our warriors. And there was actually a Marine staff sergeant there who was paralyzed. And he did a demonstration for everybody with one of their suits and and each suit, if I remember correctly, is like $150,000 for the suit that was donated to him. Okay. Now this guy couldn't walk. He had two beautiful little children and his wife there. And he was outside walking around with his kids. Like this organization gave this family their father who sacrificed for our country. So to see the Coldenhovens, who I was, I was invited by Ben Starling. So I didn't know them until that evening to see them allow this organization to use their house, invite their friends, cook and clean. There weren't maids. It was the guy cleaning up the dishes, which I thought was just incredible. um, Just proved to me that, you know, there are a lot of good, wealthy people out there who are doing great things with their money for good causes. I just want to share that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. If somebody views wealth as the enemy, they may learn one day that it isn't, um, which delays their questioning. It really delays them learning what the enemy is. You know, it's, it's, if you think it's wealth, it's not to say there aren't bad people who are wealthy, but um, anyway, there's, there's a lot of wonderful people who are, who are wealthy and, and on the way to being less wealthy due to generosity. So,
0: um, yes. yeah. yeah, it's cool and for them, we're grateful. Ryan, thank you so much for um, for being here with me. I know your time is super valuable. One more time, what's the phone number that people can call you on? Sure. 407-602-7662. All right. and I want to get a message. If you call Ryan, I want a message saying, I called him. I got the guts to pick up the phone and call. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ryan, no, no, no. thanks.
0: Hope you have a sure. wonderful day and, and thank you sure. guys for listening and uh, see you on the next episode. You've listened to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a nice review. And if you're not a part of our tribe on Facebook, be sure to head over to Facebook and join Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience tribe. I look forward to to speaking with you in the tribe have a great day